brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. friends and welcome back to most haunted welcome first to 2022 good to see you all made it this far let's try and stay healthy this year all right but uh i want to get right to my guest because this one is incredible uh dr lena townsend i have known her mm, i'd swear 15 years most likely it's it's been a long time and uh, i got acquainted with her down in kansas she is and I am going to read this because I can't recall all of it, but I know she's a recognized member of the World Metaphysical Association and a certified tarot card master. She is uh, an ordained minister. She does, and I'm going to butcher this word I do every time, Reiki and uh, palmistry, scrying. Ooh, I don't know if you all know what scrying is, but it's something I never wanted to do. You... Uh, kind of look into a dark mirror in a room and eventually after time you get to see what's on the other side of it. It, it yeah, scares me. And uh, spirit communications, and I have seen her do that. She does readings all over the Midwest, but specifically she uh, has a huge following at the Kansas City Metaphysical Fair every year, which is one of the biggest in the country. She does readings in Wamego, Kansas, Wilson, Kansas, Dodge City, Kansas City, 
And uh, she's just got a huge, huge following. And there's a reason for that. She is one of the maybe three psychic sensitives I've met that I could say is real. So let's bring her up. Lena, come on up. Hi, Kurt. How are you doing, T? <laughs> How you doing? It's good to see I'm, you. It's <laughs> I'm good. My phone, it may fall, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess it's been uh, like almost two years since we got together. I think the last time was in Wilson, Kansas, if I remember right. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, I love Wilson. It's amazing. It is. So uh, I've known Lena. We've met. We've done a lot of ghost hunting together. She worked with the Ghost Tours of Kansas. She worked with Kansas Paranormal Research Society. And she's uh, working kind of a little bit with Road Trip Paranormal, right? Yes. And when I first met her, uh, well, I met her and we worked together, but I never, I never saw her abilities in action as it was. And then uh, I went to lecture at a place it was a charity and she was there and she was doing a reading of the room and all of a sudden she looks at me and she says dan are you part of this said, yeah sure you know I, I'm, I'm not afraid of anything <laughs> so she tells me there is a man in the room behind me and she describes my father to a t and yeah, that sounds about right. I was ghost hunting in a place with possible mean ghosts. I could see my father showing up to help because he loved a good fight. <laughs> but the next time, then this is the one that got me because I physically somewhat resemble my father. He was more muscular, but, you know, bulky and, and short. But the next time she said, Dan, and, and went back to another charity event about a year later. She said, there is a woman with you. And she, I don't know who she is, but she's thin, short, and wears a plaid dress and wants to know why you called her here. Well, as it happened, I did not call anyone, but I was staying with my aunt, my mother's youngest sister. We'd spent the night talking about her so I could see where she would show up for that. But she described my mother, who does not look anything like me, right down to her favorite dress in the 70s. Like every Sunday, she wore this dress to church. It was her favorite. And it was brown and black plaid. So that's when I realized, hey, she can describe my mother who looks nothing like me. She's She knows what she's doing. She's got an ability here. How long has that ability been coming out, Lena? Honestly, um, I started noticing things when I was very young. But at first, I thought I was crazy. <laughs> so I, I really didn't know how to deal with some of the things that I saw or experienced. Um, a lot of it, when I was very young, a, probably around age six or seven, um, I thought that it was, you know, bad people trying to get me or, you know, those types of things. I wasn't sure what it was. Okay. And it wasn't until I was in my mid-20s when I finally had that reality check that, hey, this is really happening. <laughs> so, so that's when I, I ask, started studying. What was you seeing? Was you actually seeing people, uh, human living looking people? Or uh, sometimes, sometimes they looked like regular people, like uh -huh. just like looking at you. Or other times it might be like a misty kind of shadowy look. Okay. Um, but most of the time they looked like regular people to me. Why were they coming to you? Because they knew you could see them? 
think that's why I do. Um, they most of the time when I was very young, they didn't talk. It was just they were in the room or they were close by or they would stare at me. Um, I would wake up sometimes they'd be standing over the bed just looking at me. Mm-hmm. And it would depend on where I was at. I had uh, stayed with my aunt a few times and I could see things there. Like there was an old woman who haunted there and I kept telling them that she was there, but they didn't believe me. Uh-huh. And I remember at one time we were putting all the toys away and things like that. And uh, my aunt was angry because she said we didn't put the toys away, but I told her the woman pulled them back out. Uh-huh. And of course, you know, for a little kid, a parent or a, you know, an elder's going to think they're making up stories. Right. So yes. then um, she experienced something there. So she decided to padlock the door, which to me was the funniest thing ever because <laughs> She padlocked the door, but the woman was on the outside of the door at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, she could go through the wall. So, <laughs> so to me, I I figured at that point it was real, but I wasn't sure how to make other people know that what I was seeing was real. So I tried to kind of suppress it because I thought maybe I was a bad kid or maybe I did something wrong and that's why they were coming. And that Weird. was part of my upbringing because my mother often said, well, it's not real. So what'd you do wrong that would make them come after you, you know, or something like that. And I know she didn't mean that to, she was just trying to ease my mind that they weren't real. That's not helping. (laughs) Didn't help. (laughs) Okay. She, she didn't believe in a lot of this either. I think, you know, we had a very strong, very strong Christian background that was very Southern Baptist type Mm -hmm. and, and they didn't, they didn't believe in this this stuff, and and to be honest, I was scared of it for a very long time. I can understand that. They're, you're waking up with strangers in your room that nobody else can <laughs> see. That's there's two possibilities, and both of them are frightening. Right, and and there's been a few times over the years that I woke up and saw people and didn't recognize them, but then later would find out like they were a you know, an ancestor or, you know, something like that. I have found spirits know the future. Uh, I've had them show up at different things and uh, would take over the dowsing rods. They would let me know who they're wanting to talk to and and all that. In fact, that happened in uh, Wamigo when I helped out down there. Uh And I was curious, do you see the spirits of the people that are going to come to you before they get there? You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> so sometimes I do have a spirit, you know, like come through before I actually meet the person that they're wanting to see. Right. Uh, you know, um, I had one that was coming to me every night uh, for about two or three weeks. And he would just say, he would stand by my bed every night about three o'clock in the morning, which freaks me out anyway. <laughs> <laughs> But he would come to me and he would be like, Kenny, and he would just keep saying Kenny. And I kept trying to figure out, like, are you Kenny? Is, you know, is there something about Kenny? What are you trying to tell me about Kenny every night? And he just kept bugging me. And he would do this like three, four times in the night, um, Mm -hmm. usually starting around 2.30 or 3. And about two weeks later, I was sitting in my kitchen with a friend of mine, actually. And um, we were having a conversation and she said, oh, guess what? I, I finally got to see my half brother, Kenny. And I was like, oh, 
<laughs> that's cool. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden there was the dead guy again. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, <laughs> because at that point I realized this is the Kenny he was referring to. Okay. So the Kenny, the Kenny person was actually living and this was his father that was in spirit. And he was wanting to get a message to Kenny. And so I was able to give the message to the um, friend of mine, and she was able to relay that. At that stage, can you hear him speak of other things? Can he say, hey, I want him to know the money is in the flower jar? (laughs) Well, usually usually they show me like images and things like that. Um, They don't always talk full sentences. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes, I mean, they're probably talking full sentences. I just probably can't hear it all. (laughs) You know, there's a little there's a little hiccup in how we you know hear things and so you know he was like giving me some symbols um some images like he showed me orange and a street sign to confirm who he was with my friend okay. um, and that was i was i i was like i don't know what that means it's he's showing me an orange and a street sign and she said well we used to live on orange street okay so to me, it made no sense, but to the client, it made total sense. <laughs> um, he showed me images of a big oak tree and a red car. And he told me, well, he said bang. And I didn't understand what that meant. But she explained that when she was little, she had crashed the car into the tree. Wow. In their front yard. <laughs> <laughs> so those types of things, you know, and they they come through like, just little images or words that they might say. Um, sometimes we do get, you know, like full on visuals, like a, almost like a movie playing in your head. Um, other times I'll hear them talking. Like uh, when I was at Sigma Nu uh, here in uh, Lawrence, uh, there was a, um, <laughs> a little girl. She was probably maybe four foot tall, maybe a little bit taller. And, um, she was just having these beautiful, this beautiful long hair. And um, she kept saying that she was looking for her mom. Like she was saying, I'm looking for my mom. You know, that's heartbreaking. It is. It was so very hard because I, I couldn't figure out why she was there, first of all, because it was a fraternity. So it didn't make sense that this little girl was in the fraternity. Um, <laughs> right. then, then she told me. Uh, or she came to the woman that she was following. She thought that woman was her mother. And um, the image that she showed me of her mother looked exactly like that person. So I knew at that point she had attached herself to one of our investigators, actually. Mm -hmm. And she was saying that she was looking for her mommy. And as we went through the building um, throughout the night doing the investigation, she was actually with that person almost the whole time. And then all of a sudden she just disappeared. And I'm like, where did she go? Right. <laughs> you know. And at that point uh, we were all kind of downstairs and they radioed to me uh, that they wanted me to come upstairs. And they had actually captured the voice of this little girl um, and embody- it was a disembodied voice because they could all hear it audibly. Okay. And they captured it on five different recorders of the little girl saying mommy all the way through the whole thing. And um, it was crazy because there should, there was no children there. There was no little girls there or anything like that. 
And I'm pretty sure at some point um, they may even still have it up on there. Um, it was on the KPRS website for them to be able to let people mm -hmm. do that EVP or it's not really an EVP if it's a disembodied voice right. though. <laughs> but it's a recording of the dead. Right. And it was, it was pretty awesome. Um, but it kind of freaked everybody out. I think that was kind of like the awakening that I really knew what I was picking up on there. Mm -hmm. And she, she was very clear with her like sentences and things like that. She would tell me, you know, she was looking for her mommy. Where did mommy go? That type of thing. You know, uh, I was a cop for 35 years, but this is bringing tears to me because the idea of a lost child just hurts. Right. I, I, I think I've kind of grown a little numb to it because the bonus is like, we did know where this little girl came from. Um, I do believe that her mother's in spirit and I think she reconnected with her. So okay. I think that that makes it easier for me knowing that she was able to get back to where she needed to. And sometimes we can help them, you know, kind of cross back over. Um, but I'll be honest, they come and go as they please. Right. I don't necessarily think they're always stuck here. Now with some trauma, I do believe they get stuck. Mm -hmm. um, you know, especially if things aren't finished. Like I worked with um, some law enforcement on a case uh, not long ago where I'm, I'm really sure that the woman was very frustrated. And so she was kind of, you know, I, I guess haunting the place where the event happened. Okay. And um, I actually met her before I worked on the case, which is really. You met her spirit or you met her in life? I met her spirit. Okay. Um, it was kind of a strange happening, actually. I went and I stayed um, in a hotel and she was there and mm -hmm. I, I could see her and, and recognize her, but I didn't know her. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Like I would have been able to pick her, pick her out of a bunch of pictures. Um, later, I was asked to work on this case and at first, it didn't register in my mind that it was the same woman that was mm -hmm. in that hotel. Um, it wasn't until after I had been working, uh, looking at some of the um, more vivid images that she was showing me. Mm -hmm. um, I, and I don't want to go into too much detail because it's pretty graphic. But, you know, her murder was very bad. And right. so she was wanting it to be solved. And, and when you saw was, her... Did you see her as a person walking down the hallway or as somebody with blood and injuries all over? I actually saw her as her beautiful self. Okay. Um, she presented as a beautiful woman and she was actually sitting in a chair in the corner in the, in the hotel room, uh, which was kind of funny because I didn't tell my husband she was there and my husband's all out there like changing his clothes. And so, <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> I think she's past caring. So yeah, well, and he was he was like, You didn't tell me she was there when I was changing. Uh -huh. <laughs> but they don't usually see us that way. Um, they tell me most of them tell me that they see us like energy, but right. they show us the image that they know we can stand to see. Okay. So I very rarely um have encountered um even in the nastiest situations. Um, graphic images and things like that, unless I'm asking for them. Mm -hmm. uh, they usually just present as a regular, 
you know, how they preferred to look or okay. uh, even some of my older people present as much younger looking uh-huh. um, come through. Now, and I've said this before when, when we talk about this, I do not picture myself in my head as an overweight, bald, middle-aged guy. I right. still think of myself as 25, 30 years old and, and looking a lot different. <laughs> do you think that what they're projecting is what they think of themselves? I do to some degree, or at yeah. least they what they want to be when they, they go back to kind of the time when they were most happy, I think. Yeah. Okay. So um, now there are some that I've encountered that were just really nasty spirits. Mm-hmm. Um, but to give you a good example, um, there's a place in Iowa. Um, oh my gosh. I can't think of the name of it now. Don't tell me the ax murder house. Yes. It's that one. Yes. I know okay. you've been there. No, I have never actually. Oh. Oh, I thought you had went there with road trip. Okay. Um, and no, and I was invited to go there with another team. Um, cause I've, I've worked with several teams. Um, like, mm-hmm. but there was a, a team here in Kansas that had invited me to go and I actually didn't get to go. And, um, so I've never been, but okay. I had some crazy, crazy experiences, which is why they invited me actually. Uh-huh. So, um, there was like this whole week of people kept saying to me, I'm going to Villisca. That's the name of it. Yes. Uh, they kept saying, I'm going to Villisca. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> like I, you know, I really didn't have a clue what this was. Okay. So uh, people just kept saying it to me. And finally I was sitting in my living room and somebody had said it to me on the phone that they had just been to the Villisca house. And I kind of hung up the phone going, okay, what is this about? So I just randomly out loud said, I don't get it. Why is this coming up over and over and over again for like a Mm -hmm. whole week? And I was like, I don't understand this whole Villisca house thing. And boom, all of a sudden there was this little girl standing in my living room. And I could see her as plain as I see you. Um, She was just literally just started talking. She started talking about, family and the experiences that she had and they were very graphic images so for the folks who don't know the that particular place there was a family including a little girl murdered by an axe wielding killer and the murder was never solved that was in the 19 early 20th century i believe uh i believe it was 1912 because she kept saying to me um, the, well, one of the things that she kept saying to me, and, and mind you, I've never been there, so I really don't know. And I've not done any research on it because I, I don't want, I want to go in unknowing. <laughs> Understood. But hard to do but, now that she spilled the beans. I'm sorry. It's hard to do now that the victim spilled the beans. Right. Well, that's true. <laughs> so yeah, she kind of came in. So first she showed up and she was telling me all these details, um, telling me about being afraid. She kept saying, I, I asked them for help and they won't help me. Um, and she kept talking about different things. And she kind of took me on like this visual tour of this home or whatever. Okay. Like I could see it so clear in my mind. It was like I was literally walking through it. And so I had reached out to a friend of mine and said, okay, I don't want to know details about the place. I just want to know 
if I drew an image of what I see the house layout to look like, is there a possible way you could research and find out if the house actually looks this way? Because mm -hmm. I needed to know if I was crazy. <laughs> After this long? <laughs> right. And so, well, I still doubt sometimes. So, <laughs> but I'm very skeptical like that. Uh -huh. So she, she looked it up and it turns out that I was actually seeing the actual home with the rooms connected the way they were, but I was seeing it completely in reverse. So okay. like an image, um, which is very interesting to me because mm -hmm. I, I, at that point I realized maybe I do see things uh, kind of like a mirror when I see them through their eyes. Mm-hmm. But she was very detailed and she told me um, her name was Catherine, actually. Um, so uh, she told me her name was Catherine. And then while she was talking to me, all of a sudden there was another girl who was standing there who said her name was Lena. And I went, oh, that's why. <laughs> uh -huh. So that's that's why they connected to me. Okay. And um, they gave me details I, I could just sit in it and talk to you for hours about the details. Mm -hmm. um, things like she kept saying that um, they they took her daddy's shoes. Um, this this person took her daddy's shoes, um, but they didn't know. And I, that didn't make any sense to me. And then uh, showed me some weird. It was very weird. It was like bacon in a um, kind of like a knapsack bag, like a, mm -hmm. a leather bag or something. It was very weird. Um, or, or maybe like a, what do they call that? That uh, gunny sack type bag. Okay. That's, that's what it reminded me of in the image. Um, and the details of the things that were done. I mean, she literally showed me um, how she died and, and her watching her friend die. Uh, she, she watched him brutally um rape the little girl, the other little girl, mm. um, because she had already passed. She was trying to wake up her, her friend, which mm -hmm. in the home, my understanding is from what they showed me, uh, the little girl had her friend was spending the night and the friend was in a, like a, a it was almost like a sewing room because there was like a sewing machine there. And that's where her friend Lena was sleeping. Mm -hmm. And Lena's sister was in there with her. And I think Lena's sister, she said her name was Ida or something like that. Anyway, Catherine had tried to show Lena to, to wake her up, to protect her. But uh -huh. because Catherine had already passed and she couldn't wake up Lena and it was too late. He, he actually got her and he actually, based on what she showed me, he raped the little girl and then murdered her. And he left this meat on the floor. I'm not really sure why that's significant, but um, she showed that to me. And then she told me they don't like the um, ropes. And she kept showing me what looked like extension cords to me. Uh -huh. But she was calling them ropes. Well, my understanding was because she kept saying 10 of 12, I thought maybe she was 10 or 12 years old or that there were that she was 10 and one was 12, which actually is a possibility mm -hmm. um, but i do know later she showed me um like that it was summertime so i thought maybe it was like you know june or july and i later heard this is the one part of the information that i do have is that that it happened or occurred like in june 10th of 1912 
Okay. So that would be the 10 of 12. So mm -hmm. I wasn't getting the whole thing. I was getting just a portion of it. And um, for me, it was like so visual. That one kind of scared me because I was like, if they can show us all these things, maybe we're not in the right frame of mind to be able to hear the things that we're needing to hear. Does yes. that make <laughs> yeah, I can see it. And I've told you before, and I mean this with all the love in my heart, Lena, I do not want the gift that you've gotten. <laughs> this Sometimes just sounds what's that? Sometimes it's hard. It I'll is hard. You know, um, when it's things like that, you you know, you feel for them like this this little girl, um she did not seem to have the understanding that she had passed. Mm -hmm. It was almost like she was reliving it. And the way it felt to me was like every time people would come into that space to investigate or whatever, she's trying to tell them, you know, there's this yeah. happening, you know, and she's reliving it every single time. It was a weird thing, too, mm -hmm. because he covered up like the image that she showed me. She watched him cover up the mirrors and stuff, which was really weird to me. Like he hung yeah. clothes on the mirrors or something. And um it was crazy because that to me didn't make any sense. But then the um, I started thinking about how a lot of sensitives and psychics, you know, we see things in mirrors and maybe to him that was like a fear of, you know, seeing what he had done or maybe yeah, he saw demons in mirrors. Maybe he had some sort of, I mean, obviously he had some sort of mental, mental issues. Thing. Yeah. Right. You know, um, she did say that he took the keys, which was really weird. Um, but it was like this image of him coming in through a window and going out through a door. But okay. he took the keys and locked the door. So she felt like he might come back. She had this fear that he was coming back. And mm -hmm. now, all these years later, she's still going through this like over and over. And so a part of me is like, I don't. A part of me doesn't want to go there and experience it, but as an investigator, of course, you know, I want well, to yeah. experience that. So and maybe you could help these poor children. It's just, right. it's heartbreaking. It is. It, you want to help them cross over or be in a different space. But I also think that they feel comfort in having each other there. Mm -hmm. I mean, she showed me, uh, it was a very long session too. That's the other thing that was very weird. Like she talked for like 10 minutes, then the other girl came, Lena, and she talked for like 10 minutes. And then Catherine would talk and she talked about her family. She showed me pictures of the, her family on the wall. Mm -hmm. um, she named like the brothers. And I don't have the list in front of me, but I wrote everything down. Everything okay. that I could get. Um, because I was just like floored by all the information that was coming through. There is so much I'd like to talk to you about because I know you've done other things with, with the police. But I've been there when you've done the group readings. When you come into a room, you sit down, anybody who doesn't want to be part of it, let me know. And then right. you start telling them things. I've watched them start crying. I've seen them hit the ground. <laughs> I mean, sit on the floor. And it's incredible. What do you see when you're sitting in front of a big group of people like that? Sometimes I see um, like a visual image of a person standing behind someone like I did with your father. Mm -hmm. uh, he was very clear. Now with your mother, she came through and just showed me kind of in my head um, a visual of her, okay. not 
not like I could see it with my eyes, but I saw it in my head. Mm-hmm. And it was very different. Um, it's funny because your mom is with you. <laughs> Sorry about that. Right your mom is with you right now. <laughs> oh, okay. Think, because we were talking about her, we maybe threw her back in. Um, I apologize. <laughs> um, so she distracted me for a second. <laughs> <laughs> So um, anyway, when they when they come through, they show like images in my head or, you know, I'll get like a feeling or a sense of them um, okay. and let them see them physically. And then when they talk to me, it's almost like, you know, how like when you're having a thought, oh, I need to do this or I need to do this. Um, it's almost like that, only it feels farther away. So okay. it doesn't you, it sounds like your own voice, but it doesn't feel like you. It's not something you normally think about or focus on. And so a lot of people mistake it as being like, oh, it's just my imagination or, you know, but reality is, you know how when you're driving down the road and you're just kind of chilling out and all of a sudden you get these drift off of thoughts of old memories and things that you you know, have thought about in the past or talked about in the past with loved ones. Mm-hmm. That's, that's them. It's, it's how they talk to us. And so we're, what happens when you're driving a long distance, you're getting into that rhythm of the road and you're getting into that meditative state. And it makes it very easy. The more relaxed you are, the more comfortable you are, the easier it is for that to come through. And okay. You know, I believe everyone has the ability. We're all born with it. It's just some of us are more aware of it or more heightened. And I believe the more you use it, the stronger it gets. And it may be something like at some point you might, you know, be able to connect with people. Another time you might connect with an animal or uh, just a space. I can touch objects and get stories from the objects. Mm-hmm. I can, you know, go into a building and be connected with someone in case you're recording and you pick up that noise in the background there, that is not a ghost. Okay. <laughs> it is my dog having a dream. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, you know, we, we see things like, you know, on a constant basis that maybe are a part of this same, it's like they're here, but they're not here. It's like a different dimension. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of get in that space where we're, if we're really relaxed, we kind of cross into that, I think, into that space. And then we can pick up on things that it's just crazy sometimes. You'll see things that might be happening or things that have happened. Mm -hmm. So you just never know. But if you can pay attention to them, and, you know, I even tell my students when I'm teaching self-awareness and psychic development, to write down the things that they're getting and then go back and validate it because it builds your confidence in using it when you can see that it's validated. Okay. And then the more you use it, the stronger that ability gets and the more you have a sense of what is you and what isn't. Mm-hmm. Does that yeah, absolutely. Yes. So you have done these things in, uh, well, we was in, uh, was that a lion's club or a moose lodge or something? Moose lodge. Yeah. Yes. That, yeah. that was actually the first one I ever did was, uh, oh, really? yeah. I mean, I had been doing readings, but, um, I had not done a gallery session until that day. And they actually asked me, Oh, Lena, do you think that you could do a gallery? And I'm like, well, I've never really done it, but I guess I mm-hmm. could try. 
And um, she's like, oh, good. You go on in 10 minutes. I'm like, uh. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> so. Well, that's pretty cool. I was one of your first victims. That's, that's you, are, you were probably actually the first. <laughs> because yeah, I that... when, I, when I very first did it, um, I did the meditation. And as soon as I opened my eyes, I saw him. Mm -hmm. He was when I saw. And I remember, because um, they're kind of reminding me now, too, because uh, I don't normally remember readings. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but they'll show me things sometimes to take me back to that zone. And one of the things that um he talked about was being mechanical and he kept showing me this thing which i couldn't figure out because i'm not a mechanic right. <laughs> what it was, but i think it was like a carburetor or something because i had actually been able to kind of draw an image of it later and look it up and it was a carburetor oh, okay that's pretty so, cool yeah so he was showing me parts different kinds of parts mechanical parts wow. <laughs> Well, I'm surprised he didn't show you a battery because he was a dynamite man and he loved doing blowing things up. So Right. <laughs> well, he did he did talk about explosions. I do remember that. Okay. Uh tell me about your most scary incident. Uh, because you used to run with two well, I guess you're still running with different ghost hunting groups. Um, I do go on occasion to read. Um, I don't do a lot of investigating now because I have really bad knees. Um, but I do go uh, to a lot of spooky places. And I'll, I'll be real, out of the ones that I've actually been to, there was one place in Topeka where we, we knew um, that there was something going on, but we weren't sure. And it was actually a private residence. Okay. That was one of my scariest. Um, because I do, I, I experienced a really nasty spirit there that was um, hurting a man. And um, he was attached to some tools. And once we removed the tools, the home was much more clear. Um, there was also another place where uh, we went in Topeka, actually, in Topeka, Kansas, um, Miniger Hill. Actually, there was a building there um, that was called the WIBW building. Okay. Uh, it, it was where the new station used to be. And um, when we got ready to step in there, my, well, actually a friend of mine who's in spirit and my spirit guide both mm -hmm. said, don't go in there. And if they tell me, no, I'm not going. <laughs> okay. So um, it was very kind of dark energy there. And mm -hmm. I, it literally, I think it was like a month or something after we were there that that building caught on fire and burned. Mm. And um, I think there was some really bad things there. Okay. Um, now we did have at the Moose Lodge, um, there was a time when we were reading there that a dark energy was coming around and he was going around the table. He kept going around the table where we were all sitting and he actually called me some pretty bad names on a recording. Uh, they really? had like, a ghost box and it was coming through with these. It actually said my name and called me really bad names. And I was like, okay, I need to go now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet. That way, I, because I, I didn't feel, it wasn't so much that I was afraid of what he might do to me, but I was afraid that I was upsetting him and I didn't want him to uh, react with other people. I didn't want him to one. Are you believing this was a inhuman spirit then? I do. Uh, that one I believe was a <clears throat> spirit okay. because he did, he was able to expand his size um, and, and he could spin 
around that table. I mean, he was literally going circles around that table very, very fast. Not like, you know, okay, I'm going to walk around the table. He was almost like flying around us. And his, his energy started out as a black image of like, like a, a black shadowy figure. And then it kept growing and growing. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure it was nine, 10 feet tall. So he was stretching that energy out and it was getting bigger and bigger and I could see him. And I think that really bothered it. You know, um, he, he really called me some pretty nasty names on that ghost box. The times I was there, there was nothing like that that I am aware of. Is there right. something that just drifted in because there was something going on? Um, that was actually the first time I encountered him there as well. And I think he was maybe with someone. And there okay. was some, you know, there was some tension going on with people. And I think that feeds, you know, um, anytime you have tension with different types of workers or whatever, um, you know, even friends, you know, if they have something going on between them, that negativity can actually feed more negative energy into the, the spirit. Okay. Damn. Like I said, this is not an ability that I would want because you see the thing, you see somebody behind me now or, or with me. It's right. Yeah. She, she's very strong with you. <laughs> so, but, um, you know, she's also a very happy spirit. So no worries there. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. That's good. Okay. Uh, what else have you done? Like I said, I know you've been with several groups. You've had to have seen more than a couple. Well, we've definitely experienced a lot of things. Now, I can tell you in Kansas, uh, the Columbian Theater and the Austin mm -hmm. are probably the most uh, amazing that I've experienced because I actually physically got touched at Oz Museum. Really? And, yeah. I mean, he actually touched me and I was like, whoa, dude. <laughs> I was kind of like, wait. <laughs> now, was so, that with Kansas Paranormal or with uh, Road Trip? Um, actually, I've been there with both, um, wow. and I've had experiences with both teams. And actually, Road Trip, we traveled out to Dodge City, and I got to tell you, Dodge City, <laughs> it is I, awesome. I've been there, and they keep inviting me, but I never had the ability. I am going to get there eventually. Okay. I have to tell you, Dan, if you can get there 100%, check out yeah, the Boot Hill Museum. Uh, the there. Deep Theater is the best. I mean, okay. super haunted. It's a great location for investigatory. You know, I mean, honestly, road trip is amazing. Uh, they, yeah. they, you know, the public and that comes in and they do the investigations and they show them how to use the equipment and they make it fun and they always get great stuff there. Yes. Um, and and the, they're very active. And that theater, it's the depot. It used to be a train depot. And so there was people coming through there all the time. And I did a gallery out there, and it was amazing. Um, probably the weirdest thing that I ever saw was there at that place. Um, I was doing gallery, and all of a sudden, this dead guy rides in on a bull. I mean, he just literally <laughs> rides right in through the wall, you know? And I'm like, he's on a bull. <laughs> um, and, and it was funny because the image that I saw in my head was like, like a hotel lobby. Mm hmm like they showed me the hotel lobby over the top of the room that I was sitting in. It was very weird. And all of a sudden this guy rides in on this bull and I'm like, okay, that's weird. 
But later I found out that's actually really happened. Uh -huh. uh, it was something that they were showing me historically. And then um, there was a guy um, who, during that gallery, he was talking about, and, and it was a spirit. Okay. Um, he, he was talking about how he had passed and he was describing it to me and he was showing me all these images. And so I was, of course, the way I do my gallery is I tell you whatever I see. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just blurting out this stuff and nobody's connecting to it. So I'm like, okay, obviously it's not connected to someone in here. So it must be connected to the building. Right. But then he said he didn't die at the building. So it didn't make any sense to me. But later, um, about three or four months later, um, a lady came to me and said, you know, that she wanted to work with me and she wanted to get a reading, blah, blah, blah. And then later she came back and said, I entered the information that you gave during this gallery. And she said, and I forgot to give it to you the last time I saw you. She said, but I had entered all this stuff that you said about this person and how they passed. And she gave me the pictures. <laughs> of wow. the investigation because uh -huh. it was old case from like the 1930s 1940s and so i was able to see the information i gave was so very accurate sometime remind me and i'll show you the pictures but, was, yes um it was so cool because the, i saw like these fences and he kept saying i don't understand why they're walking over me they just walked over me and it was literally because he was he was stabbed and he was left under a bridge and they covered him up and uh -huh. then people were just walking around and walking over him. And um, I, I kept thinking that it was like 1940s or 1930s. And in the picture, you can see the vehicles, um, which was like 1940s. And okay. um, there was just so many details that were so spot on. And I was so excited because even every day, even, you know, we never know if we're accurate unless we get validation. Right. So that's why I'm always a skeptic about what I get, you know. But when she brought that to me, I, I was basically doing a happy dance. I'm like, yay, I'm not crazy. <laughs> but the thing is, he didn't die at the depot. He actually died down the road. But he, it's like he knew I was there. Like he mm -hmm. knew he had to come there. And I'm sure that he passed through there before being murdered and left where he okay. was. So he was kind of like a transient kind of mm -hmm. guy or whatever. The first um, time we did uh, the basement of the Columbia, yes. there, was a, there was a man with me who, a uh, big, huge biker looking guy, just real tough looking. <laughs> and he kept getting the rods, but they couldn't get him to work. And then we got to the basement of the uh, of the Oz, or no, no, the uh, Columbia. And I was talking to some spirit, and he said, I think that's for me. And it turned out it was his buddy who'd committed suicide. Right. And suddenly I got this guy laying here crying because the guy was with his dad. But the point I was getting to was the spirit knew we was going to be communicating. Right. And he had a drive to try to communicate. So there was some reason he was there specifically to talk to this guy. Right. It's like they, it's almost like it doesn't matter where we are. Um, pretty much every place I've ever been to, I've experienced at least one spirit, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. But then if you think about it, you know, sometimes they're attached to the land. Sometimes they're attached to the building. Sometimes it's the people in the building. 
you know, it, it can be a million different reasons why they might come through. And it's just crazy how much stuff they will relay when they really want to communicate something. Mm -hmm. But I have discovered they won't, if they don't have a message or don't have something to say, they won't come through. You know, it, it you can't, I don't summon at all. I don't mm -hmm. do any kind of conjuring or summoning. Um, I just talk to them when they come through. And, um, you know, they give me these very vivid images and you can't ignore them because they'll keep showing them to you. <laughs> until you <don't. laughs> so, you know, and a lot of people will reach out to me and say, oh, I have a demon in my house. You know, well, most oh, yeah. of them, you know, it, it's very rare that you're going to encounter something like that. I mean, I have had so many experiences and demons really just don't waste their time unless there's a very specific, you're a very specific type of threat to them mm -hmm. or unless they're really trying to get something. And mostly, I mean, for the most part, I've never not that I've never experienced any lower level. I do believe there was one in, in Emporia, actually, mm -hmm. uh, an actual demon that we encountered. Um, but I don't think he was an upper level type demon. Right. Uh, more like a minion, like someone yeah. who, just, you know, um, he was maybe doing the bidding. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, but I do feel that there are experiences like that that people have. But most of the time, what happens in the home is like you know stirred up activity by emotions uh maybe there's a lot of trauma going on in the home mm -hmm. or you know maybe they've had a lot of loss um another thing that might be like mental illness or or alcohol or drug abuse those things would in you know increase that activity uh doing repairs or remodeling definitely stirs up activity mm -hmm. and a lot of times it's just a spirit that's attached to that property or to that home you know, and um, it's like a family member or a loved one or someone maybe who lived there and loved that space. Okay. But because we're afraid of it, then we automatically feed that fear in. And it's like, if you've seen, you know, a lot of the people have seen too many ghost shows on TV or, yes. you know, and they have this, well, I, and I say ghost shows, not meaning like, you know, like ghost hunters, but like things like, you know, the conjuring or yeah yeah things like that because the conjuring specifically you know i believe those events to some degree happened but maybe not as dramatized as they put it on I'm sure. <laughs> so you know because we sit hours sometimes at a place and get nothing mm -hmm. but other times you walk in a place and you're getting everything like constant, right. constant yeah. so I also believe that certain things heighten that activity too, like the remodeling, redecorating, mm -hmm. um, things like flowing water. If it's nearby a river or train tracks, uh, you and I experienced uh, in Leavenworth that um, depot there. Yes, I chased very, that spirit down the tracks. Yeah, actually. he was very active, very active, mm -hmm. and you know, with dowsing rods or pendulums, we can often get really beautiful information. You know, um, because it's a good way to communicate. It's gentle. It's not invasive to their space. It gives them the option to come through and really share their messages. And I think that's one of the things, too, is if it's a spirit who's wanting to share a message, 
they may be just as fearful of us as we are of them. Like uh-huh. they're, they were, they're just people who have passed over. And so their experience, you know, is going to possibly be, you know, Hey, I need to be in a safe space here. I don't want something negative to pull me in another direction, you know? Sure. <laughs> so um, I know I've encountered many um, spirits who are very, you know, devout Christians or whatever, and they don't want to talk to me when I have the tarot cards out, but they'll talk to me when I put the tarot cards away. Wow. So, you know, it's, it's very, it, it kind of depends on what they were taught, what they live with, what their beliefs were, you know, mm-hmm. now I have other spirits who come right through and just like, talk to me anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't, they don't care. <laughs> Tell me about your adventures with scrying, because I've always seen that as a really frightening uh, aspect of this. Well, actually, it's not really much different than any other form of divination. Um, With scrying, you can actually scry in multiple things. Uh, You can use the mirrors. Um, You can also use crystal balls, bowls of water, um, ice floating in a bowl. um, Or um, There's multiple types of divination. And scrying is just one of them that kind of it's you use a reflective surface mm-hmm. to kind of get the images back into your head. And so with mirrors, uh, you know, I'm a little hesitant with mirrors as far as like if they're facing each other, they can open up like big portals. So I don't want, I don't want to encourage people to, you know, mm-hmm. do this lightly. Um, I would never say, oh, it's OK. Um, you really need to be very well protected in a good space. Um, with my experience with them, usually what happens is I look into the thing, uh, basically as if I, well, even with this phone, I'm looking at you in the phone here and I can see your face. Well, in that I start to see images. They're not other, they're not images other people can see, but I can see them, uh, kind of like a smoky haze comes up and then I see the images and so um it just depends on the object itself but even a car window uh sometimes I can be sitting in a car parking lot like you know uh Dylan's and look over at the the car next to me and start seeing images and it's like why (laughs) you know (laughs) but you do readings over the phone I do and in the last uh, about three minutes we have here, how can people get with you and learn more about you? Actually, um, one of the best ways to reach me is either through Facebook um, at Peaceful Whispers LLC. Um, it's actually Facebook Peaceful Whispers, so they can find me there. Okay. And um, then they can also reach me by phone. Uh, that number that you have there on the screen, right? that is actually... Uh, a good number to text me. I don't answer the phone during readings, but I will return messages and things like that uh, in between. Mm-hmm. And so that's another good way. Um, you can find my website. It's peacefulwhispers.com. Uh, that tells about my readings, a little bit more about me and what services I offer, tells how much they are, that type of thing. Right. I do all of my readings by appointment. Um and when I have events and things like that, I post those on Facebook. I will be traveling all over Kansas this year, uh, St. Louis, possibly uh, Iowa. I may possibly also be going to Oklahoma this year. Good. And, you need to stretch out. Yeah, we're, we're definitely, we're going to more places. So, uh-huh. um, and I post all those events. I'm going to be offering some new classes this year. Um, I usually post only 
uh, stuff about my classes, I only post that when I'm doing it. So there's nothing about those on my website. But if they want to ask about them, they can reach me and talk to me that that. Okay. What, what are you teaching in these classes? Um, I do self-awareness and psychic development. Um, I also teach a Reiki class, which teaches about energy work and chakra balancing. Um, or the Reiki, it's Yusui Reiki is what I teach. Um, and then we also teach uh, tarot. I do teach a basic tarot class, an intermediate type tarot class, and then a, and a, a more advanced tarot class. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, Lena, this has been great. It's been exactly the kind of interview I like. Here's what I want to know, and you take it over. And that's awesome, because <laughs> that's who I want, is what you've done and what you've seen. Well, we're definitely doing a lot more this year, and it's going to be probably a, a kind of exciting year. I am hoping to work more with the team. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, we're going to be working uh, with them in Wamigo, I believe, this the 22nd. We're doing right. brews at uh -huh. the Columbian Theater. <laughs> Back to the Oz Museum, the Columbian Theater. Right, and I'm going to be working, uh, doing readings there, and then okay. we'll be traveling out to Dodge City about once every three months. So that'll be awesome. All right. Hey, thanks for coming on. This has been incredible. Well, hopefully we'll get you back out this way soon. I'm on the way. I will get there. And if you oh. see my mom, please give her my love. I will. Many blessings to you. <laughs> Bye. Take care. Well, <laughs> anytime Lena talks, it's really powerful. She's, she's incredible, folks. And if you're looking for that sort of an experience, please. Check her out. She's amazing. So anyway, 2022 is upon us. Let's hope it's a better year than we've had. And I want to wish you all health, happiness, and stay spooked.